Welcome to the pre-post film review. I'm John Asquith. And I'm Matt Stevenson. The way the podcast <laughs> works, if you haven't listened before, is that uh, we talk about a film over two distinct periods of time. So first off, you'll hear John and myself talk about uh, the trailer for a film. This part is doesn't have any spoilers, so you can listen to it uh, if you haven't seen the film and we kind of just make some predictions about what we expect. Uh, then, uh, after we've seen the film... You'll hear our full review, uh, and that part will be chock full of spoilers, so don't listen uh, until you've seen the film yourself, and we sort of do a full in-depth review. So here are our trailer thoughts for Blue Velvet. From the mind of David Lynch comes a modern-day masterpiece so startling, so provocative, so mysterious, that it will open your eyes to a world you have never seen before. And warm a memory through the years, and I still can. All right, so we've just watched the. I think it's probably the original Blue Velvet trailer from 1986. Mm. So we haven't watched the the one for the new re-release that's happening here in London. We've watched the original one that was from the first. Uh, theatrical release of the film. Um, so I've seen Blue Velvet, but you have not. That's right, John. No, I haven't. Um, and actually, this is your first David Lynch, or this will be your first David Lynch film when we watch. Blue That's Velvet. right. Yeah, yeah, it's an area of my uh, film knowledge that is sorely lacking. Um, totally lacking. I've only seen Twin Peaks. Um, it's the only David Lynch work. So you're I've familiar seen. with some of his stuff, but. Not his yeah, and, and obviously yeah. I know sort of the reputation and and vaguely about some of his films as well, um, the more popular ones because they're seeped into um, yeah, yeah, yeah. film culture a lot. Um, but yeah, it's it's an area that I've always been a bit embarrassed not knowing much about. So this will be a good chance to start to get some knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited not only to watch this film again, but to see what your reactions to it are because yeah it's i mean he's a strange filmmaker and yes. not to everyone's taste though yeah i mean i feel yeah. like you you will probably click with it but there's a potential this could be one of our disagreements john you never know mm. um but we're getting ahead of ourselves based on the trailer that we just watched i'm curious um given that you haven't seen any of these theatrical films before either, what your sort of expectations for Blue Velvet are? Yeah, so I think um, this trailer, uh, firstly, it's just cool to see an older trailer yeah. um, and the, the different way films were marketed back in 86 or in, in general it's throughout so different film history. From, like, yeah. starts with this, this big sort of epic, uh, not, not a quote, but like, introduction to the movie sort of yeah you know, it's, it's gonna crazy take you right a place you've never seen before it's like such hyperbole as well about it being like a modern masterpiece and like yeah and yeah change the way you view cinema or something crazy that's like right that. and then it shows you a bunch of um just strange clips um <laughs> uh with um some music over the top um yeah i mean knowing 
just broadly what I do about um, David Lynch. Um, I am expecting this to be. Uh, I mean, you can tell from the trailer. There's a there's a very like sexualized sort of thing about it. I mean, one of the quotes that they have at the end actually says that as well. Um, uh, you see a lot of um, actors that would end up in Twin Peaks as well. So there's a, a familiarity with perhaps these quirky character actors. Um, yeah. See a lot of dancing, of course, a lot of. Um, people like dressed up as well in sort of fifties gear, and um, he he seems to have, again based on my limited knowledge, an, an obsession with these sort of people that perform or um, something like that, you know, or, or, or this nostalgia for America in the fifties or sixties. Um, yeah, I mean, I really don't know much about the plot or what the hell to expect. It looks like a lot of spying, a lot of people perving on each other and stuff um yeah no that's uh, i was gonna ask yeah. that like were you familiar with anything just in terms of like pop culture and the way it's sort of become a bit of a you know s- symbol for a time or you know such a famous film that hasn't sort of uh seeped its way into your knowledge at all in terms of plot and other than no. the, you know reputation and lynch but the, yeah. the actual plot um, okay that's good no yeah, it hasn't. And I, I'm imagining when I watch it, there'll be things like, oh, that's where that comes from. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you see an older film that is well known, usually there's a Simpsons reference. You're like, oh, that's <laughs> where they got that from. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> um, But yeah, no, I, I don't know anything. Um, so I'm expecting um, sort of maybe some dark humor, uh, surreal, dreamlike sequences, or perhaps the whole movie to feel like that. Um, and for it to go off the rails as it... <laughs> as it goes on uh, in a good way hopefully um, yeah but to perhaps start out relatively normal and then strange things to start happening it's my guess yeah I'm, I'm really uh, excited to chat to you about this and interesting interested to hear what your response is going to be because I feel like this was the first thing of David Lynch's that I ever saw and I think it was probably at uni in like film school mm. and I feel like I didn't love it when I first saw it and I was perhaps underwhelmed given the reputation that it had and then it's just been sort of in subsequent years and subsequent viewings that it's grown on me Mm. um and I've liked it a lot more so I'd be curious especially it's almost like uh the expectations are even higher for someone like given that it's been so long and you still haven't seen it and it's now getting like this re-release and this trailer doesn't <laughs> help calling it like a masterpiece that like <laughs> yeah. all, all the quotes at the end are so uh so exaggerated well not exaggerated but so you know hyperbolic yeah that it's yeah. not um pulling any punches it's really trying to make you uh think of it as a important piece of cinema which you know i i do love this film but it, it mm. was one of those growers, you know. Yes, yeah, and I think um, I am expecting that. I, you know, I think I'm I'm probably going to like it, um, but perhaps not be gushingly in love with it. Uh, yeah, straight away. Um, it just you know that work like this seems to ha- to, to have that sort of effect yeah. where especially if something's like overtly kind of strange and surreal it can take a while to sink in um yeah. but you know on some level that you like it it just takes yeah. a while <laughs> to figure out why definitely um, i think so yeah also, i'm sort of expecting that and also a symptom of 
I mean, just almost to be devil's advocate to what I just said, seeing it early on when you're perhaps not as mature or not used to yeah. that sort of stuff in cinema can be yeah. jarring and mm. uncomfortable, which I feel like was probably what my first experience was like. And how you having seen Twin Peaks, I think bodes well, given that I know you're a mm. bit of, you're quite a fan of that. I think that's a good has a good correlation to this. Like, yeah, yeah I, cool. I'm confident that you'll like it. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's going to be a good episode. Let's see uh, what our future selves have to say about it. Mm, let's find out. Over to you guys. <laughs> hey, neighbor. Here I come. You got about one second to live, buddy. Through my teeth. All right, so we've both now watched uh, Blue Velvet, John. You for the first time, and me for, I don't know, mm-hmm. probably the third or fourth, maybe. Um, so I'm super curious, given that it's your first. David Lynch film to hear what uh, what your thoughts are and I guess kind of what your uh, experiences with a Lynch film were and whether they sort of lived up to what you thought his films would be like given the reputation that he has and your limited experience with Twin Peaks I guess um, yeah this is a really interesting experience uh, I, pro- I guess that probably goes without saying for a David Lynch film um, I think this was a really good film to watch as um, the first film to see of his. I agree. Uh, because, especially because I had seen Twin Peaks, and I think you said this in the trailer thing, that it that's good in a way because they're, they're linked in many ways, I think. Um, and this was made before Twin Peaks, uh, but covers some similar territory uh, in terms of the facade i guess you could say of a, of a happy pleasant small town um but then the darkness underneath and all mm. the sinister stuff that's happening behind closed doors um so i i yeah i uh, really enjoyed that connection and i think that that helped ease me into this you know bizarre surreal weird <laughs> dream slash nightmare that that yeah. lynch is so good at at making you know where you're like um you know, again, I've only seen these two works of his, but it, he has this weird thing of any like lesser filmmaker, like by just a couple of degrees, and everything in this film would fall apart and be either pretentious or uh, just silly, um, mm, yeah, or am- amateur even. Um, but he manages to just like keep all these like. Um, I don't know. It's like juggling, and he's like keeping all this stuff in the air, uh, and it all it all holds together, um, which is really impressive. And um, I, yeah, I'm super keen to see more of his work to see if that's a consistent thing, or whether perhaps as he matures, um, there's more of a cohesiveness or less of that sort of. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know what what the word is. It's not. I guess, you know, it's just like experimental and it doesn't f- follow a um, 
traditional narrative. Um, mm. But at, but at the same time, it it it, it does. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's hard to explain because Twin Peaks is the same. It's like on paper, it's it's a traditional narrative, uh, but then it just kind of goes off the rails, and you have all these strange. Um, surreal imagery or uh, strange edits, um, weird mm. soundtrack choices, uh, and, and it all works, uh, which I love, um, and puts you in this uneasy, weird state of mind when you're watching it. Um, but I'm, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say in my rambly ways that I'm impressed that he can pull this off because it, it's so easy to screw this up and to be off-putting and to be, yeah, as I said, you know, pretentious or whatever. Um, but I don't get that feeling. I get a real sense of passion and drive to do something different and interesting. You know, by comparison, um, someone like Nicholas Winding Refn, who I really like as well, but sometimes you can feel him trying too mm. hard, I think, to like, this is art with a capital A and this is what I'm doing. Whereas... Yeah, yeah. From what I've experienced of Lynch, it seems more natural, and that it's just that's just the way he is. He makes films, and mm. the sort of process that he goes through. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I've gone from broad to really specific, <laughs> back out to broad there. Um, but I, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this uh, this film. I thought the cast was great. I loved the filmmaking, and I love seeing where where a lot of stuff for Twin Peaks potentially came from. Um, mm. Yeah, that's true, actually. Uh, yeah, I saw, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, before we get into more specifics, man, I, I'm keen to hear sort of what your general thoughts are, and I'm sure they'll be more articulate than mine. <laughs> um, probably not, because I feel like, uh, which is a common theme in the podcast, I had an oddly similar experience to you, like, I, I, even though I knew going in what the film was going to be <clears> like, <throat> having seen it a few times, it had been a little while since I'd watched it, and that was similar to you the thing that stood out the most to me was that balancing act and how obviously or how easily in lesser hands it could have slipped into comedy was the thing that well not like unintentional kind of comedy and just become silly like the, there's yeah. the scenes where frank is wearing the disguise and there's just like the the weird kind of like so bizarre the the party that they go to at that guy's house which is just weird as hell like this this it's such a fine line and i honestly don't know how he pulls it off because it should be stupid mm. like it should just be yeah. dumb and you yeah. should just be laughing at this going what the fuck is going on but i can honestly not think of another filmmaker or film in this case that sort of evokes so perfectly what it feels like to be in a dream or a nightmare without it feeling wanky and yeah like they're trying to be in a dream you know what i mean this is is a weird way i think it's got to do with like what you said part of it is having a narrative that sort of propels you through the story so there is something to latch on to which is Mm. not present in dreams often but there's Mm. just this like the stylistically and these like weird edges of the story that are just so odd and surreal and Mm. i don't know i just it just reminded me how amazingly talented he is particularly yeah. in this film and there's a few that I really really love some of his other films haven't worked as well for me and they sort of slip a bit too far into that dreamy weirdness and didn't give me much to latch on to mm-hmm. um, but this one in particular is just it manages to pull something off that I don't know I can't think of another film that does it as well as this 
it's just, I just love it. I could go on for ages about all the just little weird surreal touches. That's my my favorite stuff in the film is just those odd yeah. little moments. Um, mm. Yeah, I love I love it. Yeah, I think um, yeah you said it said it very well then, um, and it makes me think too that there's uh, that there, there seems to be. I mean that there is um. <clears throat> Most of the film takes place at night, I would say, probably, yeah. or a, yeah. a good chunk of it, uh, and, where, and that's where a lot of the bizarre stuff happens, or, mm. yeah, most of it. Um, and so there, there is a little bit of a sense of, during the day, things are relatively normal. I mean, they're still weird. It's still a strange <laughs> universe. Yeah. But, it, but it is at night, you know, which give, gives itself to that dream atmosphere where things change you yeah, know yeah. at night time the world become this world becomes a bit unhinged and strange um and and it's also like most people in the town don't know this stuff is going on right and even yeah like when the you specifically watch it, narrative weirdness of yes, frank and yeah exactly but, you know it's it's like happening all around them um but almost like in this like um uh uh like tr- transient metaphysical way i mean mm. this is reading into it I, I don't think specifically that's what he's planned to do or, or saying but it, but it's like uh this like going going to that weird party is an example where they're like speeding out there and there's just this weird guy there with a painted face and he's like all posh but he's also just a dickhead <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah. like you know it and that and then it the next I don't remember the exact scene after that, but, um, you know, soon after that, you're back, it's day again, and I think Carl McLaughlin wakes up and he's got, like, a black eye or something yeah, like Yeah, they that. took him out to, like, to quarry breakfast. or whatever, and they get beat, he get yeah. beat him up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he, he says to his, his mum, like, I don't want to talk about it. And it's just, like, it's like the dream attacked him, like, attacked him or something. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, just... Yeah. There's this weird... Um, uh, stuff that goes on at night time in and the it's like seeping in this... into the real his yeah reality. It's seeping yeah, yeah, yeah. in and and even though it is all real um I, I just enjoy that sort of weirdness and, and things like um this reminded me a lot of Twin Peaks is that Frank um not not as explicitly as in Twin Peaks but is like this weird uh I don't know if demon is the right word but. <laughs> He, yeah. He's associated with this like flame that's burning and these can and the curtains that are. And he always, always wants it dark or whatever. Yeah, he blows the yeah. always blows the candle out and he's like, now it's dark or whatever. He says yeah, that line. Yeah. yeah, it's like just hinting, uh, you know, and I think this is the the genius, I suppose, of what Lynch does is that I don't think he sat down and thought about that, but he thought, you know, th- this is a strange character trait for this. Um, mm. Characters have, and I'm going to associate him with flame and things like that. And then you, as the viewer, just make these connections yourself. So for me, it felt like uh, there was some some strange uh, connection there. And then when he dies, uh, there's this shot of like the flame flickering out and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and it's like, okay, that evil presence or whatever is no longer around. And I just love that sort of imagery that that conjures um, that he conjures up a lot. Um, and which is quite frightening at times as well, yeah. you know, it'll just be like really loud and in your face suddenly and make you feel like really uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I, uh, love all of that strangeness and how it's handled. I think, yeah, it's very impressive. 
Definitely. On the topic of Frank, what what did you think of Frank himself? Like, that has always been one of the most, if not the most memorable part of this film is his character. And yeah. just the, the <clears throat> intensity of that performance. Yeah, I mean, I hated him. Like, he, <laughs> what a douche. Uh, it's just like, it's such a hateable character. Um, yeah. So, so bizarre. So hate, just constantly hate-filled and angry. Um, yeah. And again, it's this thing of like a very over the top performance, and like, yeah. and it did at first. I I suppose I didn't like it. I was like, this is too much. And his sweat, like he says, fuck every yeah, he called two, it's fuck two and everyone's fucker, and like yeah, yeah it's you just- fuck and all this. And I I was like, oh, this is kind of stupid. Like, yeah, no one talks like that. But then you realize that it's not. A literal thing necessarily you know uh, or uh, it's so hard to say because it's yeah so, but it's, it's like the weird like surrealness the, seeping exactly. in again like it that's this, right it starts to feel off and you start or it always feels off but you start to realize that that feeling of it being off is intentional and fits mm. with the other offness in the film it's not just a bad performance or a bad the written exactly. character that's right yeah it's yeah. meant to be exactly. odd and frightening and yeah. and just the constant aggression from his like it's just relentless you know All like oh, so yeah. frightening like there's not even a hint of him be you could ever calm him down in any way or get out of a situation when you're with him you know like he's no. just yeah there's no way such a ferocious force yeah yeah if you agree with him he gets angry if you disagree with him he gets <laughs> yeah. more angry you yeah, know, if, you if you look, look at him, him yeah, exactly. yeah. It's just like no, no way of winning. Um, but yeah, his, his introduction is is um, quite shocking and uh, really yeah. um, surprised me with the when uh, the Carl McLaughlin character is in the closet and Frank comes in, yeah, and uh, sniffs on his weird whatever that is. Yeah, he breathes. Happy, yeah. happy gas or whatever. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he uh, sort of acts like a child and then starts dry humping um, the Dorothy Valens character. Um, it's just so shocking and gross. Yeah. And uh, But what I love about it, um, and this is like the whole movie, is Carl McLaughlin's in the closet watching and we're watching it as well mm. like he is. He, in some ways, he's the audience surrogate. Yeah. Uh, because he gets drawn into this bizarre, Definitely. you know, surreal, yeah, yeah. surreal world. Um, and I loved the scene um, before he goes in to investigate the apartment and the Laura Dern character says, I can't figure out whether you're a detective or a pervert. Yeah. And that's just like the whole movie in a nutshell, which I totally. love. That it keeps, it keeps like, oh, he's like this weird mystery that you want to solve. Oh, here's like some fucked up sexual stuff but you kind of want to watch it you know you, this is like interesting um and it, it keeps flipping between those two things um and never settles one way or the other and i think there's just so much interesting stuff there and it speaks just to lynch as a filmmaker but people in general and yep. uh and that you can have this um exterior that you're you're very proper and that you believe in like manners and the you know moral right and wrong but then there's all there's always like a life that people have in in the privacy of their houses and 
uh, in the privacy of their bedrooms. It, yeah, it, yeah. Again, like it's just, um, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. <clears throat> and um, that's one thing I'd forgotten. <clears throat> one thing I'd forgotten that I really liked was taking that one step further in terms of the grayness of his character is when he finally does sort of get into a sexual relationship with Dorothy and she like asks him to hit her and be violent and he, mm. he first he won't do it then he like does do it and it d- yeah. d- does this sort of like weird slow-mo-y moment yeah. but the fact that his character would like go to that point I love that that he wasn't this kind of pure you know innocent audience surrogate that was just kind of experimenting with this world it's like there is potentially a darkness in him as well that is drawing yep. him into this world it's kind of like what you said about it never settling on either side yeah, and totally. it doesn't sort of lecture on either side too like it doesn't chide no. one or the other it just sort of presents no. this weirdness other than frank who's a fucking psychopath but everyone yeah. else like it like that whole thing with dorothy is consensual like she's asking him to do it you know it's, mm. but it's this weird grossness to it as well you know i don't know it's just so complicated yeah, and mucky in a really yeah. really good smart way i think i like the way that he handled the ending of the film um and that you don't you get very brief glimpses of this giant shootout um with the cops mm. for the drug scheme uh, that, that was going on uh, and it's really not important to the movie mm, at all yeah um i just really thought that was awesome because in a in any other movie that would be sort of the big climax yeah. that Kyle McLaughlin finds out this stuff reports it um and then there's a big shootout and the good guys win in the end um i thought that was really cool um, what did you think of like the actual the very very end so after that when he sort of goes back home and it's this really weird surreal kind of family dinner that he's having with like both his family and Laura Dern's parents and there's like the really obviously fake uh, birds that she was talking about in her dream that I can't remember yeah that stuff is weird that I mean that's the stuff where I, where it's like it's silly but but he's earned his chops by that point. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I don't, I don't, I think right. I'm missing something there. Like it didn't bother me, but it's like really fake and cheesy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think then, it's intentionally you know, fake. That stuff all and, that time. Well, okay. Yeah, maybe. I, but I feel like it's very intentionally fake and cheesy. Like it's almost overtly being false and it, which sort of fits in with the dreaminess of things. Like that almost plays out like a dream in, like the positive sense like not a nightmare but you yeah, know like true. the dream ending yeah. of the show and apart from that weird line where the, the grandma's like oh, except it's eating that bug how could it do that or whatever then you see the close up of it like munching that like yeah, gross that beetle was, yeah. or whatever yeah <laughs> I enjoyed that I enjoyed that because that, that continues this thing that's yeah. been going on you know what I mean it's like the grossness is never that far away sort of yeah. um, and even this beautiful little creature like is you know, a fucked up, disgusting thing, <laughs> eating a bug. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, totally. I, I liked that. I liked that. Um, I, yeah. Even I, though it is weird that she just says that. But, yeah, you know, so it's weird. like, that's what, um, that's what birds do. Uh, just to go back a little bit to what you were talking about earlier with the, the sexual explicitness of it, because that was, uh, that's another thing that I remembered other than Frank, just as a character, is how confronting the sexual nature of the film is, which, like, looking mm. at it now is 
really impressive and it's amazing that he got something like this off the ground given the content in it um and exa- like i was saying before i guess about them not being super like it's not judgmental about anything it's just presenting this world to you but the other thing that <clears throat> i had remembered um that surprised me was the intensity of the violence at the end or just i mean it's not mm. uh there's not a lot of it but when he walks back into dorothy's apartment and the that the yellow suit guy is just standing there bleeding from the head and the yeah uh dorothy's husband is obviously being killed and he's like all this gore kind of all over the bench and up the wall mm. um mm. and then specifically when he shoots frank and you sort of see the back of his head explode and when he's lying on mm. the ground the this is gross, but like the chunky bits and pieces mm. of him look, mm. they look really gross and more real than I'm like used to in like Hollywood. I guess yeah. nowadays it's a lot of like CGI blood or just splat, but this was like felt yeah. like chunks of someone on the yeah, floor. Totally. It was gross. It was yeah. really confronting. No, it really is. Um, and I, I loved that scene um, for how far it pushed things and just the, the, the inventiveness of, um, the injury that guy has to the head, the mm. yellow, yellow man, um, that he, he's got some kind of shot. I can't remember if he's been shot or just smashed. Head yeah, then he can't him. really tell. Yeah. You can just see yeah. a hole in his head. Like you can see his brain. Like. Yeah. And it's like, it's not damaged enough that he's dead or fall, fallen over, but it's, oh, to- it's like giving him instant brain damage, sort of, like paralyzed him. And like, so he's still breathing and standing and he twitches when Carl McLaughlin gets near him and stuff. Oh, the, and the radio goes um, off and he like, it's really loud and he whacks the light yeah. over. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what, scared yeah. the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, I love that though. Like that's so inventive that, that he's pretty much dead but still alive just, you know, and... Um, his body is still functioning yeah, in, in this yeah. like basic way. Like, that's it's so creepy. Exactly. It's like it's there's enough logic there to make it kind of gross and scary, but then it's surreal and nightmarish. Just the imagery of it makes it feel yeah. like you're in a fucking creepy dream, and that you yeah. just want to get out of that room. Like it's mm. gross and yeah. wrong. Uh, and that's you know that brings up such a good point too that 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 room, um, Dorothy Valen's apartment is. Anytime someone goes in there, it's just like, oh God, here we go. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yep. that, that room is, is like a portal to this just, just weird, weird universe. Um, which, you know, again, it's just awesome filmmaking that, that you can establish something like that. And it, the strangeness seeps out of there, obviously they go to other places, but that, that kind of is the focal point of the movie. And that's yeah. where all the big, most of the big sort of, um, set pieces, if you want to call them that happen. Um, and that, that's just such a great, great way to establish a consistent, it, you know, there is this kind of consistency to it where it's like, it's nighttime, we're back in the apartment, the strangeness is going to continue now. And I sort of like that rhythm that it has. Yeah, they have, like having said that, I also really love the little odd touches, like I was saying, sort of on the fringe of that, that seep into the real world. Like there's that great mm. moment where he's, I can't remember what he's, he's going, walking to... Um, Laura Dern's house or something. Anyway, he's walking along the, the footpath in the middle of the night. And then the, there's that guy that's just like apparently walking his dog or something, but he's standing there in sunglasses in the middle of the night. Just yeah, like- Yeah, that's really weird. Holding the dog on a leash and the dog's not moving. Like they're both just standing there completely yeah. still. Like it's- Yeah. 
just so strange, but nothing's made of it. He just walks past as if it's no. normal. Yeah. But it's just yeah. this weird little moment that happened on the street. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just I, really I love unnerving. that stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that just lends itself. Yeah. As you said, like to the strangers seeping out, you know, it's, mm. it's like there's something going on underneath the surface of this town, something almost metaphysical or, or mm. something, you know, and it's just, slowly affecting people and i just love that like it's not it's not explicit that's me making my own interpretation of it but it's totally. so weird and interesting to think yeah. about yeah i love all that sort of stuff or like the uh when you're well, one of the first introductions to the ear or it might even just happen randomly i think after he finds the ear then you get like a close-up of the ear and it just sort of slowly goes like inside the ear yeah which is, like, and really, then at the end like, it zooms out hum. yeah yeah <laughs> it's just so like oh weird and creepy yeah i guess like the, the most famous example and the one that perfectly sort of surmises this whole concept and is now like super famous is the opening sequence to the film right where it's like this idyllic idealistic or idyllic yes. is that the word i'm looking for idyllic american town there's like the mm. guy on the fire engine waving to yeah. and there's this like 50s-esque yeah. music playing and everyone looks perfect yeah. and then Sort of, you see all these little vignettes, and then the guy, like Carmel Gokhan's dad, is watering the lawn, and then he sort of has a mm. heart attack, and it, it's, yeah. it does that thing where it kind of zooms in on the, the like the tap, the faucet, and it just the sound of it is like builds yeah. and builds, and then it sort of slowly zooms into the grass, and then it goes under the grass, I love and that. it's just like yeah. all the bugs, like bugs churning and eating each other, landscape. yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's just like literally under the surface, there's this gross yeah. darkness waiting. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So, such an that. awesome way to open it. And again, to repeat myself, like something that in the hands of a lesser filmmaker would be like, oh, okay, literally under the surface. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But but it works so well. It work, And it's such a great way to start the movie. It, it yeah. just totally puts you in the right frame of mind, I think. Totally. Um, yeah, I, I really love that. And it sort of reprises itself at the end, doesn't it? Like you see some of that stuff repeated, you know, it's like you're pulling back out of that universe and like back out to the glossy exterior. Well, yeah, I mean, it almost is a mirror with the the weird family, like dinner or lunch or whatever they're having, except that both the families are there now and then you've got the weird birds or whatever as well. Yeah. yeah, That that still, that sense of false, like perfection is all over that scene. Like it is at the the scenes at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, and in some ways he's uh, he's chosen to go that way, the Kyle McLaughlin character, right? He he's, he kind of has these two choices in the movie and and he's playing both of these, um, you know, girlfriends in, in many mm. ways. That, yeah. Uh, Laura Dern's like that, that idyllic. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's, she's not fake. Uh, she's intelligent and is involved in the mystery with him but she rep- does represent she's that, certain, that like, she's side like of things blonde and perfect and looks like she's yeah, and always right got out, that like a 50s drawing yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah exactly um and then obviously the isabella rossellini character is the dark side yeah. um uh and then you know so at the end he's he's kind of made that choice either made it himself or just by necessity of the plot yeah. made it and so that's that's the world he's in now and yeah. and you're right that's why we have that glossy sheen back yeah so i appreciate it more now just talking about it with you <laughs> out loud because it didn't i didn't work for me at first but that makes sense that's good well so, on that note you. i'm curious uh just to wrap up what 
your overall thoughts are on Lynch now that you have seen this? Like, I, I mean, you said you're, earlier you were excited uh, to see what else he yeah. has done. But do you think, like, he, has it lived up to the hype, I guess, is what I'm curious to you? Or was it overhyped? Oh, uh, it, it lived up to it. I, I sort of knew what to expect. Mm. Um, and I'm sorry for everyone listening. I know I keep saying Twin Peaks, but it's my only other point of reference. <laughs> um, but that, that did set a good base for me because mm. this is like uh, Twin Peaks uncut. And so I, I had... It, it didn't um, surprise me in the sense that right. it was, okay, this oh, this is what a feature from David Finch is like. Like, it it, it felt very familiar to me. Um, mm. uh, but that doesn't mean that it was uh, disappointing or anything. I was very impressed. But it was kind of what I was hoping and expecting right. to get. I, I didn't have it up on this. It, you know, it's not like going in to see 2001 for the first time or something like that, where it's like, you, you know, this grand epic thing that everyone talks about and I have no idea is meant to be this big lofty film. Um, I sort of knew what level to approach this one at. Um, but to yeah, answer the other part of your question, um, I'm super excited to explore more. And I, I don't know whether I'm in this kind of one bubble of David Lynch, which is this suburban, all-American mm. thematic stuff, which I really enjoy. And, you know, obviously there's a razor head, which I know is, is way more on the experimental side. And uh, I, from what I can gather, very little narrative to that. So I don't know, maybe I wouldn't enjoy that as much. Um, and then there's some stuff later on that's a little more uh, polished, um, but still weird. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm interested in sort of seeing what what other stuff uh, he delivers in that sense. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. And like, if our little plan comes to fruition, perhaps we can do some more of these uh, sort of retrospective episodes and catch up with some other Lynch films because there's also a few that I haven't seen that I'd love to love to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should do that um, every now and then and do a little bonus episode. It's a good way for me to uh, watch this stuff and talk with you about it, Matt. So that, uh, that sounds good. She wore blue Bluer than velvet was the night Softer than satin was light from the stars she wore blue thanks for listening to the pre-post film review uh we'd love to hear what you guys thought of blue velvet uh, presumably loads of you have seen it um, we obviously loved it, so we'd like to hear. We'd like to hear some other views. If you didn't like it, maybe you uh, thought it's a bit overrated. Write in and let us know. Um, you can email us at prepostfilmreview at gmail.com and we always reply to all our emails. So it'd be awesome to hear from you. That's right. Um, you can also give us a like on Facebook. Um, that would be awesome. Um, we're also on Twitter at prepostfr. Uh, it's another great way to see what we're up to and stay in touch with us. Um, we're also obviously on iTunes and all the big uh, podcast subscription services so if you could subscribe to us on those that would be great that really helps uh, us get new listeners and spread word for the show so that would be much appreciated Um, and thank you very much I love you (laughs) 
Um, it, we, John and myself are also on Letterboxd, so if you want to see what we've been watching outside of the podcast and see what else we've been reviewing, um, you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes for this episode and all episodes. Um, and join us next episode for our review of the new Star Wars film. Uh, Rogue One, mm. a Star Wars story, I think is the full title. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Exciting. Yep. How did you watch... I guess I can ask you this on the podcast. Um, yeah, maybe ask me on the That's podcast. That's filler if we can't think of like interesting things to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So what were you wearing when you, you watched watch it? it? Yeah. <laughs> did you need to do a poo or you done one recently?